Aerospace Unplugged. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Aerospace Unplugged. For our new listeners joining us today, this is a podcast that provides a behind-the-scenes look into all things aerospace. I'm your host, Carrie Sinclair, and today's episode is about hypersonic weapons and directed energy. Today's guest is our Senior Director of Corporate Strategy, Doug Bartels. Welcome to the studio, Doug. Great. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah, glad you could join us in person here in Phoenix. We're thrilled to have you here today. Uh, I looked at your bio, and I have so many questions. <laughs> but let's just start with how you landed at Honeywell first. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I've been in Honeywell for five months now. And interestingly enough, um, I, I came to Honeywell through a mutual connection. So someone who I'd worked with in the past had reached out to me to uh, see if I wanted to come join the team and be part of the corporate strategy team. So interviewed, had the opportunity, really enjoyed uh, those interviews and saw there was opportunity. So made the jump. And like I said, I've been here for five months and it's been great so far. Great. Well, welcome to Honeywell. Thank you. Okay. I really want to dig into your military background. Um, Starting with, you graduated from the U.S. Air Force's Fighter Weapons School with Top Gun, spent 12 years as an F-15 Strike Eagle pilot, and you are also a licensed pilot and certified flight instructor. That's just so much. Where, mm-hmm. where can we start? How did it all get started? You know, it's funny. Ever since I was a child, I wanted to be a fighter pilot, as long as I can remember. It's all I ever wanted to do. So throughout high school and grade school, that was my number one objective. So I was lucky enough to get accepted to the U.S. Air Force Academy, graduated with a degree in engineering, and then was selected for pilot training and uh, got the F-15. So I flew the F-15E Strike Eagle for 12 years while I was on active duty, uh, combat deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. And, and like you said, I went to fighter weapons school, more commonly known as Top Gun, which is a six-month program where it's essentially graduate-level studies in weapons and tactics and everything about the F-15. So I did that for 12 years, uh, picked up 2,000 hours in the F-15, which was a great experience. And then I transitioned to the Air Force Reserve part-time and then made my transition into business after that. Based on your experience, what are your favorite airplanes to fly? Oh, clearly it's the F-15. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. In the life of a fighter pilot, uh, his or her first aircraft is always their favorite. That's so, funny because Joe Caraggio was just on, and he said that his favorite aircraft is the last one he flew on. Oh, interesting. That's true because he landed safely. <laughs> that is also true. Yeah. I mean, the F-15 is a great airplane. Um, it's funny. When I was a fighter pilot, I remember working with Boeing engineers and with Honeywell engineers because Honeywell makes a lot of the components that go into the F-15. And this was about maybe 10, 15 years ago. Little did I know, I'd be working for Honeywell one day <laughs> and being part of the team that makes those systems that goes into the F-15 and then supports the warfighter. So, you know, given my background as an officer and a fighter pilot, um, it's great to still be part of the team and to still contribute. Well, I do have to say we have a lot of veterans in service here at Honeywell, and I thank you for your service as well. Thank you. And you also have an MBA from Duke, but I didn't really want to mention that because I went to KU and I'm a huge <laughs> basketball fan. So There we go. I had to say it. Um, all right. So today we're going to talk about hypersonic weapons, and we're going to start with 
the kindergarten version of what is a hypersonic weapon? Mm -hmm. Well, typically when you hear the term hypersonic, that means some type of projectile that flies in excess of Mach 5 or five times the speed of sound. So uh, very fast missiles, clearly, and, and weapons, as, as you would expect. And there's a lot of technological challenges associated with that, specifically heat. Um, if you're familiar with the old aircraft, the SR-71, it was a spy plane that was developed in the 1960s and flew until the early 1990s. That aircraft flew Mach 3, or three times the speed of sound. And the big design challenge associated with that aircraft was dissipating heat off of the skin and the fuselage of the aircraft. And the temperatures of that, uh, that, that aircraft reached, reached, if my memory serves me well, were in excess of two or 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. So the friction associated with going that fast um, is, is meaningful. So it's going to take some advanced technologies to learn how to, first of all, dissipate that heat. So, you know, the, the missile and, and the um, uh, fuselage doesn't melt, and then uh, you'll be able to operate it at speeds that great. So what is the overall benefit to the Air Force or any Air Force to mm -hmm. having such a weapon? Well, it, it's interesting. The ability to launch a weapon and have it fly that fast, about, let's say, 50 miles a minute, uh, that really reduces engagement time. So when you think of a typical bomber, let's say, or a fighter that's carrying a bomb or a weapon, they're going to be flying about nine miles a minute, and then they have to fly over a target area. Typically, it's heavily defended. And then they're going to drop some type of weapon that has, let's say, 30 seconds to a minute time of fall. Uh, when you fly at 50 miles a minute, that completely changes the engagement dynamic and provides you an opportunity to stand off from the target so you can launch the weapon further away and then have the weapon fly that distance, inst distance instead of that manned aircraft. So obviously a lot of challenges with creating such a weapon, um, but I do want to talk a little bit about what is it that Honeywell could do technology-wise to help improve? Well, it's funny, in my five months that I've been here, I'm continually amazed with everything that Honeywell brings to market and its advanced technology. And whether it's inertial measurement units, thermal management systems, actuators, flight controls, mission computers, uh, carbon coatings, um, we can bring a whole host of solutions uh, to the hypersonics market, which is really exciting, uh, you know, given the, the growth opportunities and where this market's going. Okay, so really but the challenge is around the heat footprint possibly and being able to act in that environment so maybe our experience in radiation-hardened space Absolutely. could help. Okay, excellent. So I have another question. What is a directed energy weapon? Because I've heard both terms and I'm not sure what the difference is. Well, a hypersonic typically is some type of, let's say, a physical body that flies very fast like I mentioned, in excess of five times the speed of sound. Directed energy is where you take energy, whether it's a laser or microwave or some type of radio frequency energy, and you direct that energy toward a target and you know, engage the target. One of the common uses of directed energy weapons is protecting against small unmanned aerial systems, or UAS. So when you think about the swarm concept, you hear this a lot in the news, how you know, different let's say, potential enemies are going to swarm a target area with hundreds or thousands of small drones. 
directed energy weapons are a way to engage those targets and engage those those swarms of, of drones and uh, you know protect ourselves from them. More defensive. Correct. Than and, and, offensive. And that's that's one use case. They do have offensive applicability okay. as well. Um, so what are the key technologies or factors that are involved with directed energy? Uh, clearly power, you know, generating enough power to generate a waveform that's strong enough to take down a target. I'd say that's one of the technical challenges to overcome. And by doing that, typically you generate a lot of heat, heat that needs to be dissipated from your systems. So Honeywell's thermal management systems are another key aspect of the uh, directed energy value chain. So what kind of timelines are we looking for for these types of weapons, or what is happening right now in this space? You know, it's funny, the sooner the better. Um, you look inside of DOD and many of their press releases and what they're saying in, in, in the press and what they're doing in terms of trying to accelerate the acquisition cycle, the faster the better. The quicker we can get new solutions to market and into the, into the hands of the warfighter, that's their number one goal and objective. Are there any setbacks to moving forward with either of these choices? Or is there a technology that hasn't been created yet that could, will enable it faster? Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of developmental opportunities as these weapon systems mature. Uh, the user, you know, the warfighter, engineers, our team here at Honeywell, we're going to come up with new ideas that will allow us to provide and build new solutions to make these systems even better. So it's, it's less of a revolution, more of an evolution, but it's going to have large impact uh, on the, on the warfighter and then in the marketplace. Excellent. So we end all of our podcasts with a simple question. How do you unplug at the end of the day? You know, that's funny. I, uh, I actually do high-intensity interval training, which sounds, wow. yeah. I've really, sounds intense. It is, uh, but it's great. I really enjoy it. It gives me an opportunity to unwind and really push yourself and try to stay in shape. So I try to do that every day. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you coming into the studio today. Great. Thank you. Once again, my name is Carrie Sinclair, and thank you for listening to Aerospace Unplugged. To learn more about hypersonic weapons and directed energy weapons, visit our blog, Directed Energy Weapons Come of Age. Safe travels, and we'll see you next time. This episode was produced by Katie Carney and edited by Chloe Dake.